May we have your attention, please? If you drive or ride a vehicle for work, your employer has a duty to manage your health and safety while you're doing it. That duty extends beyond those on the payroll as permanent and full-time workers to those who are engaged to work through other contracts, people in the gig economy. It also covers those who use their own vehicles for work travel. And I mentioned riding because that duty extends to users of two-wheeled vehicles, powered or not, as well as those with four wheels or more. You'll find much of the relevant legislation in the Health and Safety at Work etc. Act 1974, but it has been amended since its first issue and there are other statutory instruments that have made minor changes, just to make keeping up with legislation that bit more difficult. But to help us with our responsibilities, both as employers and workers, the Health and Safety Executive issues guidance to help companies comply with the legislation. Now, the term at work covers many scenarios. So in this episode, we'll be talking specifically about the guidance developed for those who drive or ride for work. To that end, I'm joined by Nicola Jaynes, Her Majesty's Inspector of Health and Safety at the Health and Safety Executive and a member of the rail industry's road risk group. Nicola, welcome to the RSSB podcast. Please, can I ask you to tell our listeners how you came to your current position and how it impacts on rail operations? Thank you for asking me to join you today. I joined HSC back in 2002, and I spent 15 years working as a regulatory inspector. I've worked in the construction division, asbestos licensing, agriculture, fairgrounds, general manufacturing, ports and docks, healthcare, and many more areas. I joined HSE's transport sector as the lead for ports and docks in 2017 through my experience of inspecting and investigating incidents at ports and docks in the East Anglian area. I've used the full extent of HSE's regulatory powers when it comes to ports and docks, and I currently work closely with Port Skills and Safety to assist with the creating of safe industry practice guidance to complement HSE guidance, where I can provide advice and guidance before an incident occurs. My role in the transport sector is very wide ranging. I not only cover ports and docks, but I also lead on aviation, warehousing and my main focus, which is driving for work. I've spent the past four years raising awareness for the risks of driving for work and with many stakeholders who are invested in the subject, including the RSSB. The reason this work is so important is that driving for work is one of the most dangerous activities someone can do. It's estimated a third of all road traffic collisions on the road involve a person driving for work. Yet companies do not understand the risks and do not manage them properly. They understand work at height, manual handling, assess them. Driving for work should be no different. Nicola, thank you for that. You obviously bring a lot of experience that's directly relevant to our freight community as their trains visit freight terminals. But today we're going to be talking about road vehicles. But before we get to that, could you describe what the health and safety executive, the HSE, does? I know it sometimes prosecutes people or companies for breaches of health and safety law. Could you explain when and why it might do that? HSE is a non-departmental statutory body corporate sponsored by the Department for Work and Pensions, DWP. Our main function is to make arrangements to secure the health, safety and welfare of people at work and to protect the public from dangers arising from work activities. We are responsible for the inspection and regulation of occupational health and safety and major accident hazards associated with work activities. This includes offshore oil and gas exploration, production and storage and offshore renewable energy structures. HSE's mission is to prevent work-related death, injury and ill health. We provide support to businesses through free guidance and advice. 
by giving employers the confidence to manage risks correctly. We boost productivity, support the economy and contribute to a fairer society. HSE also helps workers understand how they can stay safe and well. Working in partnership is one of our strengths. It's at the heart of how we protect the workers and the public. We concentrate on the most serious risks, so we target industries with the greatest hazards and sectors with the worst risk management record. We are firm and fair when using any of our legal powers, which can range from verbal advice, written advice, notifications of contravention, enforcement notices and ultimately prosecution. Inspection helps us check the serious risks are managed sensibly and when things go wrong, investigations help us get to the truth and learn lessons. We hold employers to account for their failures and get answer for victims and make workplaces safer. Thank you. I've certainly learned something new already. And as I said in my introduction, one of the main tasks of the HSE is to help companies understand how to comply with the law, to which end you issue a whole host of guidance on a wide range of topics. In September 2014, that included INDG 382, Driving Safety for Work. The HSE website says of this document, the new guide is much shorter and more streamlined than the previous edition and includes advice on your general legal duties and information on health and safety management. As a publisher of information for the railway myself, I appreciate the need for things to be kept up to date. So could you tell us how the new guidance, Driving and Riding Safely for Work, differs from its predecessor? The guidance in 2014 was joint guidance with the Department of Transport, or DFT, and it was a downloadable PDF. And we now have changed this to a separate microsite for driving and riding safely for work. Excitingly, we can link out to other sites which offer advice and guidance, such as Driving for Better Business and the Think Campaign. There are also links within the pages to further the guidance on topics such as risk assessment, loan working. And this allows the site to be succinct and to the point with further advice and information available at your fingertips. But the best feature being as things emerge or technology changes, we can update the microsite accordingly. This allows us access to employers and workers, but it also allows HSE to make changes as they occur. With the fast pace of change in this industry and with the emergence of technology, we'll be able to make changes to reflect new technologies as they occur. The previous INDG covered three main areas of safe site, safe vehicle and safe driver, and then had a checklist on these areas. The microsite goes into much more specific details in other areas as well. Thank you. So, Using a new platform to deliver the information has exciting possibilities. Could you tell us about how the content has changed? I think one of the biggest problems with the previous version is it was very HGV-centric, and now the guidance is much more generic, and for all types of vehicles used for work, which can include grey fleet, vans and two-wheelers. The format of the new microsite is similar in that it identifies the best way to manage the risks following a plan-do-check-act model, and links off to further guidance on this. The microsite is split in how to plan and manage your journeys, how to make sure drivers and riders are safe, how to look after your workers' health, making sure the vehicles used are safe and the law. And there is also a separate page for workers alone. There is now good definitions within this of what it means by work journey, what is commuting, and it identifies how the law applies to the gig economy and the self-employed. Up front, we talk about what types of hazards could cause harm to the driver or rider, passenger or other road users when the workers are driving or riding for work. If we take each section, there is a raft of information, but it's simple and straightforward to look at and to understand. In planning and managing your journeys, there is information on planning, 
reporting and investigating road traffic collisions. The location of the work, the duration of the journey, so scheduling and timing are important. We give advice relating to the weather and there is a look at telematics and the benefits of vehicle monitoring technologies. Making sure drivers and riders are are safe is all about competence and capabilities, training and instruction, but also about managing any ongoing improvements. More importantly, we look at the topic of distraction and how this can be managed, which is especially important for workers who are giving all their jobs via things like PDFs and phones. But there is no point planning your journey and having safe drivers and riders if the vehicles they are using are not safe. So we also provide guidance on why you should choose the correct vehicle and how to keep it safe and in a good condition for work. Thank you very much, Nicola. The new title is Driving and Riding Safely for Work. So two-wheeled vehicles are also covered in this edition. Could you give us an overview of what the users of two-wheeled vehicles need to be aware of? Unfortunately, workers are more likely to be killed or seriously injured on the road when using a powered two-wheeler, and they are disproportionately likely to be involved in a collision which kills or seriously injures a person who is walking or cycling. The information on the microsite applies to two-wheelers, but specifically the training and what the journey purpose is. The carrying of loads and hands-free navigation are all key considerations. They should also be provided with the correct protective clothing and in poor weather consideration should be given as to whether a powered two-wheeler or a two-wheeler is the right one for the job. Thank you. You've already mentioned that the safe driver section now has two areas of focus, as well as its ongoing road in safety management. RSSB is taking a leading role in guiding our industry on health management and healthy behaviours. Would you explain what that section proposes? Health is just as important as safety. In the section, in looking after your workers' health, there is pointers on some of the main topics, including fatigue, stress and mental health and posture. There are links to the highway code where it's suggested that drivers should have a break after two hours of driving. This is a huge consideration as drivers of grey fleet and small goods vehicles don't have the same restrictions as HGVs. Yet why should they be expected to drive for longer and without adequate brakes? There is also the consideration of when drivers are most likely to be tired, but also food for thought. And if someone works a 12-hour shift, should they be driving to and from work as well? Thank you, Nicola. As well as links out to the Driving for Better Business program and other useful information, this edition looks at the benefits of telematics and the collection of useful data to help reduce road risk and support more efficient driving practices. At RSSB, we use reported data to identify risk and analyse causal factors so that we can then look for mitigations that might reduce that risk. The issue with road driving risk is that there is significant under-reporting of incidents. Unlike accidents at a place of work, road vehicle accidents aren't riddle reportable. To some extent, this alone may make people see road driving incidents as less important, but the figures we do have suggest that it absolutely must be taken more seriously than it is. So, what's the HSE view on collecting data from road traffic collisions, as they now tend to be called? Work-related road risk is greater than working at height or manual handling. HSE, with the Department of Transport commissioned some work from TRL back in 2020. There was a link in the report, but it shows companies that by collecting basic data, they can identify risks before it occurs, therefore preventing accidents and incidents on the road. Thank you, Nicola. You've already mentioned the gig economy. It has perhaps now become more relevant than ever. There are many more self-employed workers and workers using their own vehicles for work. What advice or information do you have on this? 
Health and safety of law applies to drivers both employed directly by companies and those who are employed on a self-employed basis. In the past few years, there's been a significant increase in final mile delivery and gig economy workers. And for the purposes of health and safety, the person who contracts them must still take all reasonable steps to reduce the risk to them whilst they are at work. So the information on the microsite is still relevant if you just employ this type of worker. To assist with your question, a grey fleet vehicle is owned and driven by a worker for business purposes. Vehicles used under cash allowance schemes are grey fleet too. The duties an employer has are identified in the microsite in that they should be ensuring simple things like the driver does have a licence, insurance and the vehicle is safe to use. It's the same if they provide the car, a light or heavy goods vehicle or a two-wheeled vehicle. Commuting to work is not generally classified as driving for work, except where someone's journey starts from their home and they're travelling to a work location that is not their normal place of work. Health and safety law doesn't apply to commuting. Nicola, thank you for taking the time to talk with me today. I hope our conversation has given our listeners a clearer position of where they stand, or rather sit, as an employer or employee and as a driver or rider. To our listeners, I hope this has helped you understand some of your rights and obligations when driving or riding for work. There are links to some related sources of information on this subject at the bottom of the webpage for this episode. Thank you for listening, and until the next time, stay safe. Thank <laughs> you.